Section 10 of My Mother and I by Elizabeth Gertrude Stern. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A new and clear ideal of the American home came to grow in my heart during the months that followed. In the four walls which enclose that which I call so simply an American home lie the treasures of the world. From the doors of each American home wind invisible paths leading to the beauty and art of all ages which our cities keep for us in public galleries. From the threshold of each home spreads a great highway taking our children to the learning and wisdom of poet and sage in the public schools of our country. In its four walls live American citizens who each have the privilege to help make those laws which govern a great nation conceived in the spirit of liberty. That was the idea which grew in my heart during the months in New York, and the new life, with its work, its ideals, lay like a shining road before my feet, before my eyes. In the spring I went for a brief rest to the country home of one of the settlement houses where I had been preparing myself for my work. The great frame house stood by the side of a rippling bay close to the Long Island shore. There came to the house in that early frosty spring some of the tired workers and leaders in the settlement center in the city to take advantage of the peace and quiet of the empty rooms. It was too early still for the people in the tenements crowded about the settlement to come down for pleasure and recreation but there was a frail little jewish lad with marks of the east side on his thin face there was a smiling narrow-chested italian woman who was seeking a reprieve from death there was a dour-faced old scotchwoman with large bones and humorous eyes who smiled at her own pain here i lived with immigrants and i was not of them my particular comrade was a young southern girl who had broken from the traditions of her Virginian family to come up north to study nursing, as I had broken from the old-world traditions of my family to enter the field of work for women. We spoke often of the difference in the beginnings of our lives, and we saw with wonder how like we were in thought, in speech, and attitude, and interests. Living there together in that house by the sea, we were two young women who were friends and who were twenty-one. One day we walked along the shore of the bay, over a bare sandy neck of land to a row of great white sand piles that stood sharp against the clear sky. We held our caps in the sweeping wind. Our cheeks were warm with the keen cold of the early spring and winter weather. We climbed up one of the sandy mounds falling back, laughing and pushing on again, the southern girl eager and oddly smiling. And, suddenly, there we were, at the top of the mound that had stood like part of a white wall between the sky and us. Before me lay a great foaming, vast expanse of water, rushing to my feet, flowing back, coming from the horizon to us, two alone there on the measureless shore, retreating from us into the invisible distance. This is the Atlantic Ocean, said my companion breathlessly, but I did not find it possible to answer her. 
i stood as if i were alone at the edge of the great waters upon which i had been brought as a baby by mother to america and which i had never seen again until this moment far out on the waters we saw a ship a faint gray a ship bearing strangers to us in america nineteen i had not been very practical nor very wise when i made my arrangements to study and live in new york when i returned from my rest i was confronted again by the problem i had faced before i went away i found that i had hardly enough to pay for room rent and car fare i tried to live on one meal a day then i wrote to mother i shall not forget that letter from mother it seemed to be brimming over with her it was a letter full of love and such happiness such a full joy as if i had been lost and she had found me again mother was simply too full of the joy of being close to her daughter's needs able to help her to know that she was really needed many times did i read that letter from my mother it was as if she had come herself to bring me her love and her comforting i knew then as i read and re-read her letter how lonely mother had been when i had been at college how far from her she felt i had grown in the light of her joy at our coming close again i realized for the first time that during the last years i had left not only soho behind me i had almost left mother behind me the thought terrified me and mother had suffered i wrote long letters to mother after that illuminating letter from her i was wiser now i did not tell her of my school nor of my friends nor even of the new environment in which i lived for i knew that they made her feel lost and strange i began to understand that these were not the things which were a connecting bond between us but that they were rather obstacles standing between us i could not explain them to mother and my nearness to them made her feel that i must be far from her instead i wrote to her of that which we both had in common our memories our acquaintances in soho i asked if the copper pots and the candlesticks were kept polished to her liking we wrote of my younger sisters and of my cousins who as my uncles and aunts had darkly prophesied were indeed following my example by going to high school even the girls insisted on the privilege but strange to say their parents were proud of them i wrote to mother of the plays i saw of personalities i met they were not famous people of whom i wrote they were simply my friends intelligent and interesting and to mother i tried to make them as real as they were dear to me often i used to think of the letters i wrote as a child in soho now i was writing only to my own mother and only for myself and i wrote to mother about my lover for my husband and i met at college in new york mother was hardly able to believe that i had fallen in love i could imagine from what my sisters told me how she told everyone everywhere that her daughter had fallen in love with and was loved by a marvelous 
superhuman, superlative male. I did not describe my lover except to tell my parents that he was an American. I would not permit my lover to tell his people about us until he had seen my home, my folks, my environment. With all the new and beautiful and intimate meaning that an American home held to me, I went to my mother's home in Soho to wait for him there. Mother met me at the station where she had been waiting all day long impatiently. She held me close to her. She kissed me on the lips. She overflowed with joy. So you have fallen in love. You are to be a bride, she repeated until we came home as we walked through the cluttered streets from the station to our house. I wished her to tell me what she had been doing, what she had been planning, if there had been weddings or births in the family. But mother only smiled and said she had been altogether too much occupied with other things to know how friends and relatives fared. She wanted to hear everything about him. Mother and I sat in the dark little dining room or in the hot kitchen preparing for my lover's coming. And are his people very different from us, she would ask me, but would continue, to think that I'll really have a son-in-law, yours yet, child. She spoke of the betrothal feast that we must have, of the cakes and the wine that must be prepared. Her eyes would shine to me with a soft radiance when we looked at one another. I could imagine all that she was planning, all that she was remembering. She spoke often now of that day long past when, in her own white wedding gown, she had come under the wedding canopy to become the bride of my father. She recalled how her mother had kissed her, weeping to see her only daughter married, but rejoicing, nevertheless, that her son-in-law was so learned in holy law. Mother quoted to me many a phrase from the lips so long closed in death. She was like the women in the Proverbs, said Mother proudly. She had lived near her mother, she told me wistfully, but on that wedding day she did not foresee that four years later she was to leave her mother as one leaves the dead, for she came to America, and her mother died without ever seeing her again. We sat without speaking for a long time after Mother had spoken. Presently, Mother said very tenderly, I am glad you are to be a wife. When one's eldest daughter marries, it is as if she were both daughter and little sister. She added with a profound sweetness that made me feel that my heart was too full. One evening, Mother looked at me archly after one of our talks. Then she said, Come, child and I found out the secret, that which had made it impossible for mother to care what happened to friends and relatives, because she had been so occupied with other things. Unknown to me, for years, almost since the day on which I had graduated from high school, mother had been keeping and increasing that secret. In a huge wooden box there lay piled piece upon piece of embroidered linens for bride and bed, and fine laces ready to be used for years to come, as well as handmade samplers fashioned after the pattern of her own girlhood. There was a tablecloth of black fisher's net 
as mother called the loose web-like background which she had woven and upon which she had embroidered in green and red wool a loving dove sitting on a bough above my initials and the date of this she was most proud because herself had not had such a piece in her own trousseau will it do she asked it needed no pretended enthusiasm to praise her handiwork to delight in it but how her eyes shone when i asked her if i could have some of the laces from her own pillow slips and table covers put away for remembrance at the bottom of the trunk from one pillow cover i took two wide insertings of handmade lace that mother and grandmother had made together while they waited for father to come to take his bride mother insisted also that i take the two heavy brass candlesticks made for her at her own wedding by the village coppersmith and brought to america into our little kitchen she pressed upon me also a brass mortar and pestle for my kitchen when i asked for the old copper fish pot which had been made for grandmother and later given to mother and which had been used by us for so many years to cook the sabbath fish mother was delighted into laughter you must cook good fish in it she adjured me happily the kitchen was crowded all day long with women who came to look at me with a new glance of camaraderie i too was to be a wife as were they with them mother spoke briskly and definitely upon a most important topic they were filling the feather beds and pillows which mother had made for me as her mother in poland had had hers made also of each woman mother inquired rigidly whether she had remembered that only the breasts of the geese were to be plucked and each feather picked they would come their heads covered in an aureole of down and with great bags under their arms the bags were full of soft down they seated themselves in the little bricked square yard and while mother with eyes snapping and brilliant supervised them they filled the cases she had already sewn waiting for the cloud-soft contents sometimes in the evenings i sat watching mother at her work and we said nothing for many moments for my mind was full of memories of all that had happened in the preceding year in new york you cannot imagine how strange it seemed to me to come to mother's home after the homes i had shared in new york perhaps if you contrast your own home with the one which i have described you will understand how i felt mother would not let me help prepare for him she washed and scrubbed and ironed and cooked and baked mother feels she's not being hospitable if her guests leave her table with unimpaired digestion the house was full of sweet and toothsome dainties to give him delight its walls were gleaming with welcome for him i went alone to meet him to bring him to my home i shall not speak of that but we knew that we loved one another and that nothing mattered at the threshold of my home mother ran out with her characteristic almost childlike eagerness to meet him i cannot forget her face as she saw him they tried to speak to one another and my lover knew only english and my mother only yiddish 
they had no common plane on which to meet no common thought nor interest nor memory even in me each saw a different person we went into the house my lover and i mother silently followed us to me the days flew so we were married and mother said good-bye to me and i went from her with a stranger whose language she did not understand into a life she did not know i left her as she had left her mother when she went on the far voyage to america End of section 10